Do you need help in your business? Do you need help understanding how to grow and scale and profitably build your company into the business that you want it to be? Well, you're in luck. I have been working for the past three and a half, almost four years now with some of the most successful real estate investors from around the country, among them Andy McFarlane and Bill Allen. And we've developed a program called Seven Figure Flipping. Seven Figure Flipping is a mastermind coaching and mentoring program designed to get you and your business to the next level. If you're interested in finding out more and want to know how you can get involved, shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com, subject line help, and I will get a hold of you. We'll hop on the phone and we'll talk about it. If it's right for you, I'll let you know. If it's not right for you and your business at this point, I'll let you know that too. But at the very least, you'll find out if it's a good fit. So shoot me an email at mike at juststartrealestate.com and let's talk. All right, on with the show. I fully committed to it, you know, and I think that that really gets, you want to talk about glossing over things. People say they want to do things all the time, uh, but when it really becomes difficult and tough, are you going to quit or is this something that you really want? And for me, you know, I saw... You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being here. I know you have a lot of options in your life and things that you could be doing. So the fact that you choose to spend it here with me is not uh, unappreciated. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to have my guest on today. Uh, this is a multi-time uh, person on this show and somebody that I have a lot of respect for. Uh, I give him a hard time quite a bit, but he is an insanely uh, successful guy in a lot of ways, and uh, and real estate is one of them. So I like having him on so he can talk about his business and how he kind of runs it and how he grew it. And I think there's a lot of cool stuff that we can bring that's different from even the last time that he was here. So uh, Bill I, uh, Bill Allen is, is my guest. Uh, he really goes, doesn't need an introduction, but uh, Bill is a, a friend of mine and somebody I met about three years ago when we both started in a mastermind called Seven Figure Flipping. And we were both kind of uh, inaugural members. We were on the first meeting of, of that program. And Bill was kind of new to real estate or relatively new. I had done some things, but uh, we became friends and I have a lot of respect for him. And he has managed to grow his business, I dare say, bigger than mine. So, uh, and he's done it a very short period of time. So he's somebody you should listen to when he talks about real estate. And I'm, I'm psyched to have him here because I know he's a busy guy. Bill, thanks, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take a couple of those clips of what you just said and use them against you in the future. They are, uh, they are copyrighted, so you can't do that. <laughs> you can, but you'll have to pay me, so ironically, I'll still win. <clears throat> okay. Um, <laughs> again, th thanks for being here. I, I know like behind the scenes, all the things you have going on, and everyone says, oh, you're so busy. Thanks for being here. But literally, like you, you, we got on here, and you hadn't eaten lunch. It's well past lunch, and you shared with me you haven't sh you haven't uh, showered in a few days, so you're you're a busy guy uh, with bad hygiene. No, I'm just kidding. I, I know you've been you've been just blown blowing up your business and, and doing a lot of stuff inside the coaching program uh, and just busy, super busy. So thanks again for being here. Uh, you've been on the show before. I think people will remember you, uh, but if they don't, maybe give the cliff note version of who you are and and how you got started in this business and 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 kind of take me to you know a few years back to where we are now. Yeah. Um, it's a good thing this is your show because I'm just going to let you beat me up. So All right, cool. um, I did shower before this. But, <laughs> um, you know, so I started, I had a full-time job. I was a, a Navy pilot. So I was flying for the Navy. Uh, I'd been doing, I'd been flying for the Navy for about 12 years. Um, always had a flying job and uh, got married, had, uh, we, we had our first child on the way when I started trying to think about even further down the road, like what's going to happen. I think that was when kind of like the light bulb hit me of, uh, I got to get serious now, right? It's not just about taking care of me and, or just me and my wife. So um, I looked into uh, real estate and flipping houses and I had a couple rental houses at that time, but um, never done a flip. So I did my first flip when I was uh, stationed in Maryland and uh, I was doing like one a year. I did one that year and then I did the one the year after that. And then, um, you know, along came kind of Justin Williams in that program. And that's where you and I met. And, uh, I just threw my hat in the ring, enjoyed seven figure flipping, um, hoping it would get me a couple more deals uh, out of the year. And it really just kind of took off from there. So, um, just going back, like getting into real estate, it was just, 
I did a lot of reading and, and instead listening to podcasts just like this, um, things like that to um, see if it was going to be something that I was interested in, dip my toe in the water, tried my first flip. Uh, that was successful. Second one was successful. And then it just kind of snowballed from there getting around the right people. So that first year of being in the group, I uh, did 67 deals. Um, we flipped 12 houses and wholesaled the rest. So it was uh, somewhere around $700,000 in profit before my uh, overhead and expenses. And it was just more, you know, more money than I had ever seen before. So, yeah. and, and more money than I even, before I got kind of associated with people that made that much, I never knew anybody that was doing that in a, in a year. And uh, just kind of, we went on this, uh, over the last four years, just kind of doubling every year. So um, it's going to be hard to do this year, but um, I think we'll see a 40 or 50% growth this year over last year and in the kind of numbers that we're doing. Um, so it's really exciting. Yeah, that that's, it's pretty amazing too. And you, you sort of glossed over a little bit that you built the first year you built your business, you were working right full time. So, yeah. so like, you know, problem number one or argument or objection number one to real estate investing is I have a full-time job. I don't have time for it. Right. So we know that that's not necessarily something that can hold you back. It's not easy. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm sure you would admit that it was, it was not always easy to do, but it's doable. And you didn't just start a business and like flip a house or two houses. Like you grew from essentially nothing to about a million dollar business. So, uh, it can definitely be done with a job. And I, I think it's just prioritizing, right? Like I'm sure you didn't binge watch like Netflix TV series all weekend. Like that wasn't how you spent your time. Um, but I, I think if I'm, if I'm listening to this and I don't know you, which I do, but if I didn't know you, I would say, okay, uh, Mr. Full-time job, built your business up, doubled every year. How, how did you do that? What did you, what was your, what was your thought process going into that whole thing? And, and what, like, what are the steps you took? What did you literally do to get off the starting block and get some momentum? What was the first thing you did? Well, I think the, so even just going to like the internal idea of this, right? Like, what did I do? Well, I, I fully committed to it, you know? And I think that that really gets, you want to talk about glossing over things. People say they want to do things all the time. Uh, but when it really becomes difficult and tough, are you going to quit or is this something that you really want? And for me, you know, I saw, I saw my, like my kids getting older, they're going to start growing up. And I wanted to be around. So I knew that that was like, this is my goal. I remember you talked about it not being easy. I looked at my wife and I said, I just want to be upfront with you. This is what I want to do. Um, I want to join this group. I want to put two hours or three hours before work and two or three hours after work. And on the weekends, um, I want to be doing this. This is what I want to do. And I think all of this hard work is going to pay off. So I think step one was really like figuring out that kind of why and then committing to it. Uh, because I, having a full-time job, it, it could be a positive or a negative depending on how you spin it. And I always try to spin it in the positive. So I had income yeah. from the full-time job that allowed me to grow my business. Right. You know, other people say, Oh, I have a full-time job. I don't have time. Well, figure it out. Like I hired somebody. So my first step was, <clears throat> and, and to be perfectly honest, my first step was trying to figure out, I, I thought I knew everything. I thought I had read enough books and but when it came down to it, I just got, I got to this point where I knew what I needed to do. I just didn't, didn't really know how to do it. Like, uh, uh, I would make, I would do some things and I didn't know that I was making the right progress and I didn't have anybody to bounce it off. So you and I joke a lot of times that you have a business partner now to bounce things off of and you guys can, can talk about things. And I didn't have, it's like every decision that I'm going to have to make is about me. And I, frankly, I didn't want to go get a business partner, but ultimately I had to decide what I wanted to, what I wanted to do. And I'll tell you, my business looks a lot different than what I thought it was going to look like that first year. So I set out that first year to flip 12 houses. That's all I wanted to do. That's it. And we did that and a lot more. So I think my step was understanding where I wanted to be and then trying to figure out how to get there. And that kind of how to get there was getting around the people who were already doing it be perfectly honest. I mean, I didn't, I say all the time, I don't think I had an original thought in this business period. Like, I really don't. I just take the things that are working for other people and I make this Frankenstein business that I have. So, I mean, my first step was figuring out what I wanted. Do I truly want this? And am I willing to fight for it? And then, you know, what's, what does it look like coming out, coming out the back end? You know, what is that? What does it look like down the road? Yeah. And then kind of, 
baby steps on how you get there. I mean, it, it sounds like it happened all overnight, but it didn't. Yeah. It was, um, step by step. Yeah. You, you said that your goal was to flip, was it flip? You wanted to flip 12 houses or was that it? Or yeah, just do 12 deals? Flipper. Okay. No, I you want to be a, a house flipper, flipper, right? Yeah. Um, so how do you go from wanting to flip 12 houses to doing, how many did you do that first year? Like 60 or 70 or 80? Yeah, I think we did 67. 60. I think we did 12 flips and like 55 wholesale transactions. So how do you, yeah. how do you fall into 55? You didn't fall into it, but how do you do 55 wholesales when you only set out to flip? Like, how does that even work? Why, why did it evolve like that? Well, so at that point, um, obviously, so Andy, Andy McFarland was, was my mentor at that time. He was the guy, him and Justin Williams were, came together to create the group yep. that we were in seven yep. figure flipping. Yep. And I have a, you know, I, I, what you, what happens a lot of times is the people around you kind of become that, right? So what I realized was in, even in order to flip 12 houses, I was going to have to go out and find my own deals. I was going to have to find my own stuff. I, I wasn't, I didn't have the deal flow. I didn't have any consistency in the business. And in order to really control that, I was going to have to go be the one to go find those. And so I did that for a little while. I did it for like a month or two where I was sending some marketing. I was only marketing to areas that I was going to flip. That's it. And the, the best areas, the nicest areas. And it's an area where there's not a lot of distress or there's not a lot of things going on or it's very competitive. Um, and then any, anything else that I got, I just sent to somebody else. Said, hey, here's a, here's a lead for you. I don't want to be a wholesaler. Go work on it. And what I realized was I was spending a lot of money and a lot of time developing all those leads. The people that I was giving it to, they weren't, it's not bearing any fruit because now I'm reliant on their business and not mine. And I have no control over that, but I spent all this money to get it. And so what happened was I realized that if I'm going to control the deal flow and I'm going to, you know, want to be this flipper, then I'm going to have to figure out how to monetize all these leads that are coming and that's when I realized I'm running a marketing business, not a flipping business. Yeah, that's so true. I know I, I tell people all, all the time, we're really marketing and sales business because we do a lot of wholesales too, right? We don't do a ton of flips. I, I, I started my, my real estate investing career being a house flipper. Like that's what I did for about five or six years. And then I, I kind of changed my model over and it was for similar reasons as you, right? Andy was also a mentor for me when back then when we started, um, he runs a highly successful wholesaling business in Utah. And, and I, you know, I famously told him that I'm going to raid and pillage his business. Like I'm just going to go in and, and, and take everything until he tells me to stop. And he, and he never did to his credit. I mean, he's, you know, you know, Andy's nicest guy you ever met in your life probably. Um, yep. and, and, and so I, I kind of did the same thing and I'm, what I'm interested in is that one thing that you said that I think people should really pay attention to, you were driving leads and you weren't able to monetize them all yourself with the model that you thought you wanted. So you adjusted a little bit and said, if I'm going to get these leads and I am not going to flip them all or can't flip them all, or they're not all flippable for me, how do I take those and monetize them? I think people sometimes get in this, their mind that I'm going to be a house flipper and I don't, I don't need to learn anything else. And I think in this day and maybe in any day, but in this day for sure, where marketing is, is sometimes tougher sledding a little bit than it was a couple of years ago. You have to look at what's coming in and make everything out of it. And I, I talk to people about this all the time. I get frustrated that people work their butts off to get leads and then they work their butts off to get contracts. And if they're wholesaling them, they sort of want to push the easy button on the back end and they want to just go, oh, I know this guy's a house hooper. He told me he'll buy anything I, I have. And, and so I just sell them all to him. It's like, you're losing money. I guarantee it. I don't care how much yeah. he's paying you. You're losing money. It's not, that's not the way it works. So having that mindset of, okay, <clears throat> we know generating leads is really this business, right? If you're not generating leads, you're, there's no, there's no oxygen pumping through your body. You're dying. So you need those leads. Once they come in, it's sort of your responsibility as a real estate investor to figure out the best way to exit that property or the best way to monetize that property. And for some people, it's mostly flipping. They want to flip and that's what they're set up to do. And for some people, it's wholesaling. So I think that's a, that's an important reminder. <clears throat> so I'm going to get a little bit kind of a like, um, beginner level here for a second. Cause I, I, I know, I just know what people, I, listen, we coach a lot of people, you and I both. And, and I know the questions that I get over and over again. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and guess that a big chunk of my audience is going to have similar questions. <clears throat> what kind of marketing did you do in the beginning? And, and what does yeah. your marketing look like now? And let's just disclaimer guys, he's, he's doubled every year for a few years and, and the marketing he's doing now, don't be intimidated by it. It's a lot, right? But we'll talk about what you did and, and how did that evolve and what are you doing now? Yeah. Um, 
so before before I answer that, I, I, there's something that you said that triggered something in me. Uh, going back to that time, there's I remember I definitively remember the time where I said I need to start wholesaling because I was complaining about how much other people were paying for properties. I was I was I was making it an excuse why I couldn't buy more houses to flip. And instead, I said, what if I could take advantage of this marketplace right now where people are having trouble finding deals and I could be the deal finder and I can make money doing that too, you know, and have another source. Instead, it's, it goes back to the same thing of I have a full-time job or I don't have a full-time job. Instead of making it an excuse of why I couldn't do something, I took that and used it as kind of power and drive to go grow something. Yeah. So, um, okay, so back to the marketing. I, um, at that time, I, all I did was direct mail. That's it. I sent postcards. That's it. I was sending letters for a while. Um, and after coming to the group, I realized I could get my costs way down and it's a numbers game at that point. How many people can I get in front of? Uh, what kind of, I think of it like fishing, uh, but fishing with a net, right? I got this giant lake and I was throwing a net over an area that I thought there were some fish that I could keep. And eventually over time, what I did was I just got a bigger and bigger and bigger net until I could cover the whole pond or at least the whole pond that had fish in it. Right. right. So like exactly. getting targeted, right. I don't want to, I can't, I'm not going to yeah. mail every door direct mail to the entire city. Um, but that I, I'm a big proponent of doing something and doing it really well and just focusing on it and then master that and then move on to something else. Yeah. So um, for me, that was it. Direct mail was going to be it for me there. Um, I didn't think anybody was doing it at the level that I was going to do it at. And I created a budget for six months that, and just to get really granular, it was $5,000 a month for six months. Okay. So I was spending, I, had, I put $30,000 on the side and said, I'm going to spend this for six months. And then at the end, I'm going to determine whether this is the business for me. And I'm going to be willing to flush it down the toilet if it doesn't work. Right. Yep. But I'm in a group of people who are doing this at a very high level. I have access. They have the numbers. I know it's going to work. I got to put the time into it. And, and 2000 of that was for the person that I hired to answer the phones. So she made $500 a week. And so I was only taking $3,000 and putting it into my mail. Now, keep in mind that was three and a half years ago. So the response rate was probably a little bit better. The market wasn't necessarily as tight and competitive as it is now. Yeah. So in order to generate the amount of leads that I did then, I probably have to spend more now. Yeah. Um, I, I think this it's is a, not downtown San Diego. This is not <laughs> exactly. uh, this is in Florida, right? So yeah, I want to jump in real quick because you made a point that I think is 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 something we should spend a minute on, or at least a, a couple of minutes on, is that you you kind of went all in like totally focused. I'm going to give myself six month runway and I'm going to see if this is for me. And I think the power in that is that a lot of people in this industry, especially because it's kind of easy to get into in a way they, they sort of dip their toe and maybe they dip their toe for a year or two even, you know, but they're spending like a couple of hundred dollars on postcards or they're kind of half heartedly doing the business. They're going to RIAs and they're They'll send out cards one month and then they won't do it for two or three months. And so they're like kind of dipping their toe. They're half in, half out, maybe for twice as long as you were. But it's 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 really hard to generate the the momentum and reach critical mass when you're not giving it your all, like all the time, 100% giving it your all. And I think that a lot of times is is the biggest downfall. People just don't go for it. They're not really all in. They're kind of half in, half out, nervous, you know, their their families maybe telling them they're crazy, so they don't really go for it. And then they go they do this for like a year or or more and then they go it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. I've had people tell me direct mail doesn't work and I've asked them, "Well, what have you tried it?" Yeah, I tried it. It doesn't work. Well, what did you do? Well, I mailed out um some postcards like 5,000 postcards and I didn't get a deal. And I go, okay, what did you do month two? Well, nothing. It didn't work. It's like, yeah, you, you did it for a month. Like who it's like, if you were trying to get in shape and you said, I'm going to work out for a week and see what happens. And you work out for a week and you look the same and go working out doesn't work. Right. It all works. It's just how, what kind of commitment are you going to pin to? So that that's, that's really good. Just even for context, right? It was two or three years ago. You were spending like three grand a month on your marketing. Um, I, I started wholesaling specifically like four and a half years ago. And I started out in Michigan 
um, mailing out 800 postcards a week, like 800. It was insane. And I got a deal after just a couple of weeks. And that was a little bit of luck for sure. It was a different market, but it's not, listen guys, you, you know, we, we talk about the numbers of, of, of postcards are sending out and you made a reference. If you're in downtown San Diego, your marketing budget has to look different than if you're in rural, you know, Iowa or like a small town in Iowa. It just, it just has to look different. And, and also I wanted to bring up, cause I know this about you. Tell us about the market you started in. I, I assume it was this big market with, you know, no competition and just easy to like, what did your market look like? Um, yeah, there was a, there were a couple people that were wholesaling at a, what appeared to be a, a decent clip, uh, doing a couple deals a month, maybe two, three deals. A month. Um, it's about 350,000 people. Wow. Um, uh, so it's not millions, right? So it's not a huge market. Um, and, uh, but there's, our response rate was, pro, it was, it was pretty high then it's probably 3%. Um, which for us, it sounds high, but some yeah. people might be going 2%. That's it's horrible. Um, <laughs> Not and right. just for context, we're blended in the three cities that I'm in right now. We're under 1%. So yeah. we're somewhere around like 0.9, probably 0.8. Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's what it looked like. Um, it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't just like shooting fish in a barrel. It was, there was some competition there. Um, I don't think it was huge. It wasn't a massive competition, but um, we weren't the only card that was on the table. We went and looked and just for some context. Also, you talked about kind of going all in and you found a deal pretty quick after sending 800 postcards. Um, I was, I was spending $3,000 a month and uh, I didn't put money in the bank for four months. So I think it's really important to hear that yeah. because, um, and when you, we hear all those numbers over the year, you can do the math, divide by 12, but it was, that was really for like six or seven months. Um, it wasn't, it was the back end of the year it was kind of building this, uh, cause you're building this pipeline, right? You're putting leads in a database. You're, you're following up and nurture, nurturing those leads. And they're not always going to sell you the house, right? When yeah. you go look the first time you're building a relationship, it's a relationship business and a people business. It's not yeah. about the house, right? So, yep. um, and, and I also, there was a lot of things that I was doing wrong. I feel like I was hamstringing the company by, um, only going on what appeared to be really motivated calls at the time. Uh, I did had li- very limited time to go on appointments. Yep. Um, when I found someone who could go on appointments full time and get out there right away and a better salesperson than me, uh, we started doing a lot more business. So um, anyway, like all that, we started out talking about like the going all in and making that decision of the why that you have and you have to, you've got to commit to that. And that, that commitment isn't just saying, okay, I'm going to do this. It's that commitment is, you know, setting aside that budget and saying, I could have quit at month three. What if I quit at month three? Like we didn't put any money in the bank. I was paying somebody $500 a week to work for me. $2,000 a month for three months going, I hope I, I hope I can keep doing this, you know? Yeah. And most people would, would quit. They would be, but they don't have, they don't have the desire. They don't have the commitment. And I know, I knew that it worked. Like we were making steps, but a lot of times you talked about working out and going to the gym. You don't see progress all the time. Like, sometimes I have to look back and just say, wow, I can't believe how far we've come because now I just want to do more. I'm driven. I, all these things. So I don't know for us, we really have to think about the steps that we're taking and this small, the toning that's happening in the business, right? This, we're going to the gym, we're seeing progress. It's just not that obvious right away. So some people get lucky and do a deal right away and make a ton of money and they're off to the races. Other people, it might take three, four or five months and that's okay. As long as you're, you know, going in the right direction. You're, you're, you're doing the right things. Yeah. And some of it's your circumstances. You mentioned having a job. So you, you were able to pay your bills while you did this. So I didn't have a W2 job, but I had a flipping business. I mentioned I was a house flipper before I started wholesaling. And when I decided to switch over to wholesaling, I still had several projects in the pipeline that, that hadn't closed yet. So I didn't put money in the bank either for my wholesaling business for several months. I did that first deal and all of it went into marketing. And I, I actually got another deal pretty quickly, put all that into marketing. And so it kind of that exponential marketing growth. Um, so we went from doing, you know, 800 postcards to doing a couple thousand to doing, you know, several thousand and, and now much beyond that. But <clears throat> talk a little bit about you hired someone. Uh, what were they doing? I think they were answering the phone, right? Is that, is that accurate? I don't know if you yeah, said that. Number one, number one job. Okay. phones, but I had other stuff going on. It was like, you know, um, 
do a little bit of the bookkeeping, uh, keep track of the lists, um, any other tasks that I might have. It's kind of like yeah. this office manager um, slash lead managers. Right. So, um, work on the CRM, change up the phone numbers, just kind of uh, running the business because I was flying all day. The 10, 12 hours a day I was flying. Right. So um, that's what it looked like for her. Okay. So let's take one step back. This isn't so much what you did, but we, we have a lot of people that we talk to about growing their business. And let's just say, for example, or you, you talk to somebody who doesn't have maybe quite $30,000 to put aside, right? I know it's, it's, it's definitely more effective to grow your business quickly if you have a marketing budget. But if they have a more modest marketing budget, what are things that they can do? What are pe- things that people can do to market and to find deals that doesn't necessarily rely just on horsepower of, of the dollar? Yeah, I think if you don't have money, you need to have some time, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so a lot of that goes into um, a little bit more of the kind of pounding the street type stuff, uh, hustle, you know, that a lot of people talk about, right? Yeah. So um, it's, I, I really like networking, uh, talking to, you know, if you have the knowledge and information and, and you, you know the business, especially if you're a flipper, if you're a flipper and you don't want to spend a lot of money on marketing, I'll tell you, there's so many new wholesalers and people out there who are trying this and spending some money and trying to get into it. The, I think the best thing for, for somebody like that is to take one of them under their wing and show them rehab costs and repairs, go on, go with them on appointments and, and do those things. You're going to get those deals. Like yeah. uh, you talked about the guy who sends the deals just to his buddy. Yeah. Um, you know, find, find some of those people and, and, and take some time and, and go, they'll probably buy you lunch and coffee and take them out. Mm-hmm. And now if you're, if you're the one just getting started and you want to start doing some deals, it's about trying to, you know, find those, um, I really would focus in distress. So uh, I'd focus in the distressed areas. So if you can get a smaller list, like a tax delinquent, and that's a couple years delinquent, yeah. or um, maybe uh, some pre-foreclosure lists that you can uh, call them up and try to get them out early, like mm-hmm. to, you know, talk to them and get them to respond. Because a lot of those people, they want help um, and they're willing to respond. They just don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and a realtor can't help them because it's going to auction in a week or two. Right. So, yeah. um, drive around, you know, look, I, I used to, <laughs> I used to drive around all the time on my way home from work. I just take a different route, write down some addresses, uh, especially on trash day. You yeah. can go on trash day where there's no trash cans out. You might have vacant houses and stuff <laughs> like that. Yep. Uh, look for houses that are just kind of beat up and, and nasty and then send them a letter. Uh, now it's really easy to skip trace people and find some phone numbers and give yeah. them a call. Yep. Um, you can send text messages and stuff like that. So, um, I don't think you need to spend a lot of money. It's just going to take some time and effort and energy and, and don't get discouraged if it's not producing for you, but like really what action are you taking? So like sending a card, you don't actually know that you've gotten in front of that person or done anything. Yeah. You know, if I, even if I said 10,000 cards, I don't know how, how many are actually viewed. Right. 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 But you know, calling somebody and talking to them on the phone, walking around the neighborhood and asking the neighbors what's going on with that house there's somebody in the neighborhood that knows what's going on and has the phone number for that person totally. and wants it on and fixed up. So yeah. Um, some more of that stuff I think is, uh, is a, a good way to go with, with a small budget. Yeah. You mentioned niche lists and I, and you didn't say niche, I don't think, but like the tax delinquent and some of these other um, pre foreclosure and, and things like that. Um, even like code violations, those niche lists, they, they typically take time and, and energy to get them. It's not usually a money thing. It's usually the, the, the barrier to getting those lists is that you have to go down to the county offices and pull the records or talk to somebody. So it takes the effort. It takes the time. Like you said, if you don't have a lot of money, you got to spend some time. But those niche lists can be very, very effective because sometimes when people grow their business and they're doing $7 million, they don't allocate the time and each energy for the niche list. They're just like blasting um, equity and things like that. And they're just spending the money instead of spending the time. So as a newer or a smaller investor, going down to the city offices and pulling those lists and being very, very proactive about uh, skip tracing them, like you said, and in getting those numbers and maybe just picking up the phone for some of them too, calling them, right? You don't have to spend the money in the marketing. Um, that can be super effective. But the bottom line is if you don't have the money to spend, then you, you need to have the time. Okay. If you don't have, if you tell me that you don't have money and you don't have any time and you don't have any money, like, listen, you're making it, you're making it really tough to figure out how to help you. So, you know, you might have to reevaluate how you're spending your time. Uh, if, if, if you're binge watching Netflix, like we talked about, maybe that's something you put on the, on the shelf for a while, but I did it like way back before I even quit my W2. I, I was doing the same thing you did. I was going to work till five and then from five till nine, I was looking at houses and then I was evaluating till midnight and then rinse and repeat all week. And on the weekend, same thing. So 
Um, it, it's just about how badly do you want it sometimes. It's not really do you have the tools or is it available to you. It's available. It's just whether or not you're you're spending your time and energy doing the right things. So, okay, so you, you brought someone to answer your calls and, and you started growing this business, maybe just at a high level. We don't have to get into super great detail, but who did you hire and kind of what order did that fall in and why did you hire them? And let's talk about how you built your team because I think one of the aha moments for me over the last several years was I got to a point here locally in Michigan where I do my investing, where I was doing everything I could do. And I felt like, I don't know how I get to a really, uh, to the next level or really far from where I was because I was doing everything and I just couldn't do anymore. And I, and I always had that mentality back when I started, I don't, I'm not big enough to hire people. I don't have the money to hire people. And it was sort of like, the catch 22. I can't hire cause I'm not big enough, but I'll never be big enough if I don't hire. So how did that go for you? And, and what was your thought process between behind hiring the people you hired? Yeah. So obviously, um, when, when I just first started, I hired her right away. So her name was Dee. Uh, she was actually a second person. I hired somebody else, uh, Jamie, it was two weeks. Um, I've never heard of Jamie. Got, her husband got relocated, uh, to Virginia and, um, that was it. So, um, I, I got her all trained up, got her answering calls, went on some appointments. Sure enough, she calls me and says, Hey, I, I got to leave. And I was yeah. like devastated. <laughs> and so then in comes Dee and they trained together a little bit and the three, and the three of us got together and uh, Dee took over and she was, she's phenomenal. Right. So, um, so that was that lead intake person. And, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for this person. I knew that I had to budget it in because of my schedule and my limitations. Um, if I was trying to answer phone calls all the time while I was flying, here's what happens. We try to, we try to make excuses all the time. We're the human beings. That's all we do. And so my excuse was, I I just can't send that much mail because the phone's going to be ringing like crazy and I'm not going to be able to answer. I'll be wasting my money. All this stuff's going to go to voicemail. I'm not even going to be able to follow up leads in the time that I have available after work. And then can I really call someone at eight o'clock at nine o'clock at night? or uh, on Sunday, you know, what does that look like? So I need to have somebody that's going to help me with that and answer the phone and call people back and follow up because I know I can't. So what I know now is that I want to keep my strengths and, and stay in those areas where I'm wrong and kind of hire out my weaknesses. I also hate to answer the phone. I don't like to talk on the phone ever. People yeah. call me. I don't want to answer it. I mean, you call me. I don't answer. I know. So it's true. It's true. He's making, so, no, totally joking a little bit, but not totally. <laughs> so, so I knew that I knew that what was going to happen is, um, is if I hire somebody who their job description is to answer the phones and that's how they make their money, then they're going to do well at it. And they're going to pick up. We call it the money phone. We always called it the money phone. So Dee said, I got to answer the money phone. It's ringing, you know, whatever she's doing. Yeah. So that was the first person was that lead manager for me. I knew that in my business. It might look different for you. Like somebody else might have, they might love to talk on the phone, but not right. like to go on the, you know, so and have true. time to answer the phones and, and not want to do that or yeah. not be good at business to business sales or not be good at the, you know, estimating rehab costs or doing the repairs or, you know, all of those things. So, so for me, I wanted to make sure that I hired out my, my weakness at upfront and before I needed it. Like if you wait too long, like you said, you're never going to grow. Like yeah. if you just wait and wait and wait and it takes you two years then you're never going to get to that next step. So right. that was the first person was that lead manager. And then, um, then what I realized was I'm not able to get out on these appointments as fast as possible. And in fact, when I hired Dee, she was trying to wholesale herself. So I thought that she would want to go on the appointments yeah. when we were ready. When we got to that point, I said, look, Hey, if, and, and when people called in, if they, if, if I wasn't available, Dee would go, she'd go on the appointment. Um, so I thought she was going to kind of fleet up, um, what we call it in the military, like fleeting up from XO to CCO. So she was going to fleet up to, uh, acquisitions. And then when the time came, I said, Hey, Didi, uh, are you ready to do that? Should I hire somebody to answer the phones? And she said, actually, I really like being at home. I really like talking to these people. I'm not sure that I want to go drive around and go in houses and all this stuff. I, I like what I'm doing. I really like it. And I said, okay, uh, it was a surprise to me. So then I, I hired a salesperson. So now I was focused on finding someone who was going to be able to go on that appointment all the time um, and be better than me in the home. Right. So I thought I was okay, but I definitely couldn't get out there. And what I found was we were screening these calls so much. I was only, I said, Didi, only send me on the highly motivated people. Yeah. 
And that's really when the business took off because we kind of opened the floodgates for leads and we can go see the people that sounded tough on the phone, but really we're ready to sell their house. Yeah. Um, so that salesperson came in and then what kind of happened was, and what I realized is I can turn up the dial as loud as I want when other people are going to do this stuff and it's their full time job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't have to worry about how many cards we're sending or how many appointments I'm sending somebody on as when I'm not the one doing it. Right. So then what happened was the, the phones were ringing more, the appointments were coming in, we we're getting way more contracts. And so I was doing all the work with the sellers and the buyers. I was, you know, selling the contracts on yeah. the disposition side. And I was also working with the title company like crazy. You know, we had so many contracts that I had to answer all this admin emails with title company. Yeah. And by the way, that's, that's a position that, that we, we call them transaction coordinators, but the people who work with a title company, that was a position that I, when I started wholesaling, I refused to believe was an actual position. I, I just couldn't imagine what that person might do. You have a title company that does all the title work. What, what in the world would that person do until I was doing it? And then I went, oh, crap, this is actually a job, right? So I, <clears throat> you may not think that that's something, but once you scale up a little bit, the, the, the issues, and it, it's a lot like herding cats, trying to get sellers and buyers to the closing table and get all their documents. So um, transaction coordinators, people who work with a title company, it's, it, that, was, that was one of the first people I hired because I hated it. And you mentioned you know, who you hired first was basically born from what did you like doing and what were you capable of doing the least because of your schedule and just you just don't like talking on the phone. I, I tell people the same thing. If you're a fantastic salesperson, like that is like your thing, then maybe that's not the first person you hire. Or if you love talking on the phone, that made up the first person. I know for me, it's details, it's paperwork, it's that kind of stuff. And I had to get that out of my life or I was going to really go crazy. So it may not be the same order that Bill did or I did it, but you, you need to look at where the bottleneck is in your company and look at what's not being done well because you're doing it and you're not good at it. And that would be the first person that I would think I would want to bring in. So go ahead. I'm, I jumped yeah, in. Yeah. And... <laughs> remember where I was when I said, I, I have to have this person. It was our second seven figure flipping mastermind meeting in, in, in Utah at Andy's place. And I'm sitting there in the meeting and Andy and Justin are sitting, like sitting down, not with their computers closed, phones off, all that stuff. Just just right. I saw it at the first meeting too, but I definitely wasn't there yet. And the second meeting, we're starting to get contracts. I got the salesperson that's producing for me. And next thing I know, I've got all these emails I got to answer, the title company's calling me, they're texting me, like the buyer's not here, what's going on, the seller's here waiting for their money. I'm just trying to coordinate this from Utah. I just said, okay, this is crazy. We have too many deals going. I've got to free up that time. And Andy told me something in the beginning and maybe he gave the same kind of analogy for you, but we got these cups, right? You got this cup and when your cup fills up and it starts overflowing, you got to bring over another cup and let that cup fill up. So when I hired Didi, my cup was overflowing and her cup started filling up when her cup was overflowing. That's when we hired the salesperson. And then, and then what happens is you drain some of your cup into them. You have a more capacity, right? Yeah. You have more ability to do some more stuff. And so I knew that hiring that transaction coordinator, that's a, that's a $12 an hour job. You know, at least it was then yeah. I, I, we're probably pretty close now still it's a more ad, administrative job. Yep. And, um, and so, that really freed up a lot of my high paid time to go do the other things, the money-making tasks that I needed to do. So, so I, I hired, I hired her um, next to deal with the title companies. And the other thing is salespeople are notorious for not wanting to do the work of the contracts and the pushing yeah, paper and yeah. all that stuff on the back end. So you can, if I can free up more of their capacity too, they can go on more appointments, do more follow-up, yeah. you know, uh, more houses. And so that's what we saw happening as we, like freed up capacity, people start redlining and you just don't produce. Right. Um, so you, and, and, and they won't tell you that they're redlining either. Yeah. Find out. That's true. So you've got to actually, I had to pull things from Didi, like bookkeeping. I was like, give me that. Yeah. And you you need to answer more calls. Your, your response, your, your live call answer rate is going down because you're spending all this time doing all this other stuff. Right. So and at some point there, we, hi we did hire a part-time bookkeeper to come in and take that from Didi. Um, and then after that, the thing that I love the most is the business-to-business -business sales, the back-end dispositions, the properties. I can talk numbers. I can talk uh, uh, what does it look like if you'd flip three more houses this year. Um, I can really sell that stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's what I really, I really enjoy it, too. I like, I like putting a deal together. 
on the back end with somebody who speaks my language, yep. who's running a business like mine. So that's, that's the last thing that I gave up was that uh, dispositions job. So yep. then I, uh, that year, it was probably towards the end of that year. So that was my team really was that, were those people that first year and me. And then I think, uh, I think Ryan, the dispositions uh, manager came in probably towards the end of that year, beginning of the next year. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the team that we did those, those deals with. Um, so I think you asked me, what is that, what did that look like? And now what does my team look like now? It's just pretty crazy. We have like 15 people. We're in three different cities and, uh, we have, you know, we have lots of different positions, um, that we've hired for and changed over some people over time. Um, but yeah, and that's, that's uh, this is a business, by the way, guys, just to remind you is what, three, three and a half years old, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like three and a half years, years old, well, almost four years. years. Really. This is not a 15 year old business we're talking about or something like this is a fairly scaled up, scaled up business pretty quickly. And really what we're talking about, I hope, I hope you, all of you listening, I hope you understand that what we're, what Bill's describing right now is he built a company. He didn't, he didn't design a job for himself, right? He built a company. He has folks answering the phone, going on appointments, talking to title companies. You know, he, he's built something that, to his point, when he was at these seven-figure flipping meetups that we do, he was seeing other people like Andy, and and they weren't answering their phones. They weren't stressed out running around trying to talk to title companies because they also created companies that run like a company with people who have jobs and things that they do inside of your company. So for a lot of us in real estate, certainly when we start out, we're kind of everything, and that's fine. That's That's sort of how it is a lot of times. But bringing people into your company it may sound scary, but that is literally how you free yourself from having to do everything. There's so much that goes on in my company that I don't know about because I hired people who are better than me to do it. And frankly, I, I don't want to necessarily know about it because I don't add a ton of value to certain areas of my company. Like you, I, and it's interesting that, that I don't know if I ever heard that part of it or knew that about your business, that the dispositions is your your favorite part. It's my favorite part too, and I guarantee that we do it differently. Your technique and your the way that you disposition properties or the way that you get the most money for them is different than me, but it's the last thing that I hire too because it's it's what I like the most as well. I love that back-end process where you're trying to take this this contract that you got and find uh, how, how you can monetize that or who you can sell it to or how do you sell it or how do you, are you going to flip it? Are you going to wholesale it? What are you going to do? How am I going to maximize the opportunity that I have with this particular contract. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, one, one thing I want to say about that is I, we did talk about what you like to do and what you don't like to do, but I think you really, really careful about just doing things because you like them. Because if I really like to do admin and push paper that didn't move the needle for my business and be where yeah. I needed to be as a business owner. And I spent all that time in the transaction coordination role where I could hire it out for $12 an hour. That's a big difference than what I'm saying of really liking being in dispositions because sure. I would much rather run my company from a high level and not be in that role if I was bad at it, but I was good at it. And the difference was I, I liked it. I was good at it. I had the capacity for it. And when you're doing a hundred deals a year and you can make an extra $2,000 a deal, that's a big money making task, right? That's yep. a big difference for what's going in your pocket. Yep. So the other thing that I'll recommend people is to really like break down their hour. So sit down and say, how many hours did I work last year? How much money did I make? What's my dollar per hour? Right. And I would really try hard not to go under that. So if you're a $50, I was a 50, I think I was $53 an hour when Andy had me do that uh, four years ago. Yeah. And uh, that was with my flipping, with my rentals, with my Navy income, with everything, $53 an hour. So I stopped cutting my grass that year. You know, yeah. I, I, it was, I, I spent time with my family. Um, I stopped doing the, the running to uh, put a lockbox on a house and I paid, I'd pay someone two hours at $12 an hour to drive two hours to do it for me. Right. Um, and I'm going to spend my time really smart on doing things that, cause I want to get $53 to a hundred to 200 to 500. Yep. So now if I was doing dispositions and I was making an extra $200,000 on top of everything else that we were making for the company, that's, that's a pretty high dollar per hour task. So anyway, I just want to throw that in because I know we yeah. talk a lot about what you like to do and what you don't like to do. Um, but I think it's really important to, you have to be fulfilled though too. So uh, you don't want to be doing things that you hate to do. Right. As in, like you said, 
you're just creating another job and you just happen to create a job that you hate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, you know what? It's a good point. Uh, yeah. I, sometimes I think that when, well, let's put it this way. I think the, the, the other side of like, you know, doing what you like. And then if you don't like it hired out to your point, even if you like it, if it's not adding enough value, it's not really moving the needle. Um, you may like it. And, and sometimes people hide in what they like, you know, they, they like mm-hmm. certain parts of their business and they sort of hide there and, and they're super busy and they feel like they're being productive. But as a business owner, it's your responsibility to run the business and, and to move the needle. Right. So even a dispositions guy or, or lady who's making an extra $2,000 on a hundred deals, that is very, very significant, but you got to think, you know, your business has doubled, you know, and, and you couldn't double it if you were in dispositions, no matter how good you are, you're still costing the company money by not doing the higher level stuff. So, um, and, and this is, we're talking about a company now that's kind of scaling up, right? When you're, when you're small, we get it. You don't have 15 people. I know that, but that was the point of having Bill go through that. I want to ex- him to explain that journey and how he brought people in and why. And, and that's a good point. If you like doing it, but it's not moving the needle, you have to be fulfilled, but you also have to take a look and be sometimes business is a lot about being honest with yourself too. And not just saying, Hey, I, I like going on appointments cause I like people. I don't get contracts. No one ever signs with me, but I like talking to people. That's not a business that's going anywhere. So you have to be real honest with yourself about your strengths and weaknesses. And, and really it took me, wow. It probably took me eight years in business to be a hundred percent honest with myself about what I was good at and what I wasn't. It was easy to talk about what I was good at. Cause that's always fun to talk about, but it's sometimes it's harder to talk about things you're not good at, but you need to really take that, that self-assessment. So let's, let's move forward a little bit now. So now, how do you spend your days now? And I know, you know you're heavily involved in seven-figure flipping. Um, we've talked about that a few times, but, but where are you spending your time and what are you focused on and what are you excited about right now? Other than that? No, it can be that. I'm just, I know that that's part of it, but like, let's talk about that. Like, what, what do you, yeah. How are you spending your time there and how is your, your business is running? You have a COO. You didn't mention that guy, but that's like recent, more recently. Um, you've hired someone to sort of run operations, so you, don't, you really, really don't have to be there for, for a lot of it. So how are you filling your day and what's that look like? Yeah, so a year and a half ago, I hired a guy named Nate, Nate Johnson. He uh, runs the company day to day, so COO. It took me a while to get him up and running, but I knew that um, I wanted to do more in the coaching business. I wanted to continue to give back. I was doing some coaching with them, and I just saw an opportunity to do more and to help grow that and kind of give back to the people that gave me so much. And uh, so I knew that I would need to pull myself out of my business to do that. Um, it just wouldn't be – I could tell it was already happening. I was coaching, and um, we weren't growing. We were just kind of flat. We yeah. were flat, and I knew that I needed – in order to – my people were looking at me saying, I want more, I want more. And I wasn't there uh, to develop them personally, professionally, things like that, and actually grow the business. So I knew that I needed some help. So, so that ha- he came in and I uh, got him up to speed. So now I'm spending more time. Um, at that time I was on the fulfillment side of the business yep. uh, of the um, coaching business. So, you know, planning the events, uh, bringing in consultants, things like that, trying to find, figure out, uh, just take the temperature of what the what the members needed at, at different companies and, and do those things. And now um, I spend more time just on the big picture stuff on that business. You know, we talked about that the fact that I built a business. I didn't build like another job or some other things. That's really what, what I found in all of this. I thought it was going to be real estate, flipping houses, all this stuff. But I feel like I got a PhD in kind of business. You know, I really enjoy consulting, going in, growing my business and other people's stuff. You know? Yeah. I really think of myself as a consultant, not necessarily a coach, like a board of directors for these guys that, uh, guys and gals that come into our program and say, what would you do in this situation? Hey, I have this problem or I have this need, or do you have a document for this? Or what do you, what do you have? And it's more of that than it is anything. It's like business partners, right? Yeah. Almost like a, like a franchise owner that's coming to the, 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 the creator of this product saying, uh, hey, I, I need some help over here. Yep. Um, can you, it's like we have partners. So I'm doing more of that, um, less coaching, but more uh, developing, planning the events, like Flip Hacking Live. I was the MC last year doing some of that stuff and and working in that more. Um, I also still fly for the Navy. So I fly 60 days a year for the Navy down in Pensacola. I'm a flight instructor. So um, that takes, you know, two months of my 12 months there spread out over, uh, over the year. 
um, that I really like to do. And yeah. obviously just still spend time with my family. Like today's my son's birthday. Right after this, we're going to go pick him up and go bowling, me and my wife. And uh, he turns five and we're going to hang out with him tonight, just him instead that's, of all three kids. That's so cool. You mentioned Flip Hacking Live. Um, so Flip Hacking Live, let's talk about that just for a second. So Flip Hacking Live is an event that happens in October. Uh, it is, it, 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 would you say it's a conference? Is that, I don't know what the word you would you would use. It, it's, it's, a, it's a gathering of, yeah. of real estate investors from all around the country. You don't have to be involved in any certain group. You can go, you can get tickets and go whether you've heard of it or not in the past. And, and it's a, it's a, two and a half day or three, now it's a three day, three full days uh, event that is, is really, it's, it's, can be very trans transformative. We've had people who have gone to that event who didn't know us and really weren't doing real estate actively. And, and from that event was sort of the, the springboard have taken their business to over a million dollars and and beyond, right? It's, it's a, it's an amazing three day event where people are getting on stage and it's not, if somebody getting on stage and, and they're trying to sell you this course and then they're trying to sell you this book and then they're trying to sell you the software, like it's, it's real estate investors getting up in front of uh, a couple, you know, 1500 people and really just presenting their business or presenting a part of their business that's working particularly well for them or talking about how they got to where they are in their company or in their business. And it's just, it's just giving, it's just three days of like just constantly giving and, and just, um, content and, and just sharing. So it's, I've been to a lot of real estate things in my life before I was involved with seven figure flipping. And they're almost always disappointing because you go there and it's like, people aren't really sharing and everyone's sort of tight lipped and they're being vague. This is all about giving. These are not, um, for the most, like Jocko Willink is going to be there this year, right? So that's huge. Um, he's going to be there and he's, 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 a, you know, a big part of it, but there's a lot of people who are going to be on stage that are not presenters per se. They're, they're business owners who are highly successful and they're there to give back. They're there to, to tell you, uh, their secrets if there's really secrets in this business, but they're there to tell you what they're doing. So, um, it's definitely something, why don't, I'll let you do it, Bill. You're, you're, you're the, you're the main man here. How do they, find how do they get tickets how do they learn more if somebody wants to go to this event and see you and see me and justin and andy and all these people we've talked about how do they go about that yeah i'll I'll say like mike your presentation last year on the disposition side and how to make more money for each contract i think probably made people in the audience a couple million more dollars total like all combined uh some of the things that we put into play like some of your verbiage and some of the ways that you guys were doing things that to just add an extra couple thousand dollars probably move the needle for us like we're going to do 200 deals this year so an extra thousand or two thousand dollars is a significant amount of money that when it's an already profitable company that goes right in the owner's pocket right yeah so, and then and uh, anybody who gets royalties from having taught you those <laughs> techniques probably gets a little something probably right yeah i'll, I'll buy you a burger at this year's <laughs> all right so um so it's, it's really valuable. And that's just one presentation of the, of the whole thing. Yeah. The, the goal is not to just kind of scratch the surface. And I think that's what you're getting at when you, you mm-hmm. talk about these conferences is uh, it's, it's like making people want more and more and more. The whole goal here is to just, you know, give as much as we can and put the right people on stage that are doing this business at a high level. Yep. And, and also bring in some of these, you know, big time uh, keynote speakers, which we did last year for the first time. It, it, it went really well. So, um, I've, I've worked really hard on, on getting some people to come speak at this event. So, um, uh, so they can go just go to fliphackinglive.com, uh, fliphackinglive.com slash 2019. But if you Google fliphackinglive, uh, you'll, you'll find it. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I think the actual fliphackinglive.com slash 2019, but fliphackinglive.com should get you there. And, um, and yeah, buy a ticket, come out. I mean, it's in. Oh, it's right on the bay. We have an incredible uh, location this year at Hilton Bayfront, right at the gas lamp overlooking Coronado. See all the helicopters I used to fly. They'll go right by. And uh, we do a lot of cool stuff. We do some kind of meetups in the afternoon, like little coaching sessions. The people that are there, we, we tack it on to the end of our seven-figure meeting. So all the seven-figure flipping members are there um, that you can network with and talk to and figure out what they're, I mean, they're happy to share. They really, that's all they do. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a really cool, um, I, I don't know. I'm really, I'm really proud of it and, and how far we've brought it over the last three years. And every year it just kind of gets better and better. So the quality of people we put on stage and the way we present it and stuff. So, um, I, I'll be, I'll be sharing, uh, something that's working for us. I know Mike will be sharing something. All the coaches will be so, and a lot of our men 
So um, a lot of people come to that and sit there and say, I want to be on that stage next year. And uh, we've seen, seen it happen time and time, uh, just being around people and realizing that um, they're just normal people. Yeah. Just like, I mean, you might listen to this podcast thinking that uh, anybody, like, that Mike Simmons is really special. Uh, come shake his hand. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm just kidding. But in, in all honesty, um, like it's just, just normal people that have taken their business to the next level Yeah. Like, to that have gone all in that have made a decision that this is what they want to do. And they want to be professionals and be the best of the best. And that's who we're looking for. And that's who we put on the stage. So. Yep. Totally. Um, and, and the other, the other kind of cool thing about the event is every year we, we have a new, um, um, uh, pr- uh, I don't know, the charity is the wrong word maybe, but a, a new thing that we sponsor. We sponsor something every year, a movement or a, or a cause or, or something we sponsor every year. Um, last year was Underground Railroad. Um, why don't you, I, I see you got the shirt on, so I, I just, I think yeah. people, uh, no, you don't. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I thought you did. Yeah, um, it's a, I'm a, it's a, it's a abolitionist. Yeah, shirt, so, um, and, I, and I know like we give each other a hard time. You've done that probably more than you should have on this particular episode, but um <laughs> But you you run this you have this business this real estate investing business is highly successful. You are now uh, integrally integral in running the the coaching program and helping a lot of people build their businesses and and kind of realize their dreams of of owning a business and running a successful business and you're super involved in that. Um, but what, talk a little bit about about that. I think it's just for a minute. I think it's important and it kind of shows your character and it shows the kind of person you are and where you're willing to spend your extra time, which is very limited. And and let's talk about this, this cause and this thing, because it's so important and I think it's, it's just amazing. So maybe just spend a couple of minutes and talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's funny because I, I came into this world uh, from the Justin Williams podcast, like we talked about and kind of into seven figure flipping. And then uh, I watched I watched Justin flip a house, uh, or at least a, a video of him flipping a house when we were preparing for uh, OUR, Operation Underground Railroad, to come to our event last year. And so I was researching it, and I found that Justin had flipped a house and given away like $35,000 to Tim Ballard and OUR when they were getting going. And uh, when I saw that, I said, wow, like, this guy has renovated. And, re- and this is after I already knew him. I knew him for like two years. I had no idea he did that. Um, and gave away all of his profits. And so that motivated me to do something even before OUR came and we were renovating and, re- and giving away a house completely. Like we bought the house, um, we're raising some money and we're giving the house away to uh, combat wounded or gold star fam- combat wounded veteran or gold star family, very dear to my heart down in Pensacola. So that's one thing that I, like I saw this happen and I said, if he can do it, I can do it and I can do it bigger. And why can't we, and so now I want to create this movement of people giving away houses and then OUR, you know, came, even go back even further, um, Justin, I, we had a baby, uh, he's two and a half years old now, but he had a heart condition surgery. And the first year of Flip Hacking Live, uh, Justin, I was a member, I was a paying member. He, I was, he invited me to speak at the event and uh, they chose the Heart Foundation as the charity for the first event. And we raised uh, $17,000 as a, as a group. There was a, probably like 200, 200 people there. Yeah, maybe yeah something like that yep. and we raised seventeen thousand dollars and then justin and andy and and house Living hq they matched it so uh thirty four thousand dollars in james allen's name to the children's heart foundation it's the most touching thing that ever happened to me yeah uh, it was incredible awesome. james was born like two weeks after the event um and he had surgery shortly after that so i saw that and then i saw what we did the next year and then the next year and so our came and th- th- this is an organization who fights uh, human trafficking and uh, right. predominantly children. Okay. So child trafficking, uh, for sex slavery, for organ harvesting or for labor, uh, predominantly it's sex trafficking, but, um, we definitely see, uh, organ harvesting and, and a lot of labor, um, depending on what country it is. Um, they're doing operations outside the U S and here inside the U S. So the majority of what they talk about is outside the U S, um, in uh, just over 20 countries now that they, but it's, awareness organization or kicking and awareness organization. So that's what really uh, related relate to it. Um, you know, I flew helicopters in combat and uh, over in uh, the Middle East. And um, a lot of these guys, these SEALs that are on the jump team now, ex-SEALs, retired SEALs, ex-CIA guys, um, they were shooting and jumping out of the back of my helicopter. 
So these are the kind of people that I'm used to being around and talking to and uh, things like that. And so I could really relate to what they were doing and I wanted to become a part of it. And at seeing that at Flip Hacking Live and getting to know them a little bit more in that organization, it was really just amazing to me to see the difference that they were making and what they were doing. Um, and we, we ended up raising $150,000 for them at the event, but I, and, and we, we gave at the event just like everybody else, but my COO, Nate, he's a, he's a police officer is his background. Um, and he wants to kick doors down. He came up to me at, at that <laughs> event and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to go kick some doors. I said, man, I need you to run the company. <laughs> so he dug in a little bit more and found out they needed some help in Tennessee. So, um, we said, okay, what can we do? And we kind of beat their door down for about three months, uh, just kind of knocking, saying, hey, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And eventually I got to the right person and then the right person, the right meeting, and then approved to uh, be the kind of director or chairman of Tennessee. So all the volunteers in Tennessee now come through, me and my assistant and, and our team. And uh, the staff, my, my company, we, we just had an event here in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, where Tim Ballard came. We showed up the documentary and brought some people in. Uh, Craig Morgan played a song there, country music singer. Um, Travis Tritt, Tyler Reese Tritt, she played there. It was just really cool. We had there was a lot of people in the music industry, a couple athletes, different people sh uh, showed up, and uh, we raised some money for for a great charity. So, um, so um, we're planning on bringing them back again this year. That's my plan. Uh, so I'm working on the details with that. But um, it's an incredible organization where yeah. they're they set up aftercare in a places before they ever go in. Uh, there's a place for these kids to go after they rescue them and they're going undercover and they're doing undercover operations, sting ops, things like that, arresting people and saving these kids. Yeah. Um, a lot of these kids, uh, either their parents uh, have died, uh, they've been kidnapped. Um, they've, uh, lots of different things. I mean, Haiti is a place they do a lot of, um, uh, a lot of operations there after the, uh, the earthquake. A lot of a lot of kids were just, looking for something to do and they, they get recruited by these uh, traffickers. It's, it's a, it's a multi-billion dollar, uh, industry. And, uh, the biggest thing is like, the U S provides a lot of the, um, the demand. So, um, you know, I feel responsible. I got yeah. three little kids. Um, yep. I don't want anything to happen to them. I think about it all the time when I'm not watching what, what could happen and it's happening right here under our nose. And, uh, when my, when I was, uh, found out about it and kind of my eyes were open to it, it just couldn't turn my back and say no. And yeah. I think it, it goes across any religion, any, uh, yeah, anything sure. like, I think we can, something we can all get behind, you know? So, yeah, I, I think so too. I don't, I can't, <laughs> it's so, it's so horrific. I, I saw the movie. It's, it's so like heart wrenching. There's not much more of a horrible, heinous activity than hurting kids. Right. So, um, I thank you for, for being involved in something like that. I think people like you are amazing. I mean, you're not, uh, you're not sitting around trying to figure out what to do with your time. There's a lot of things mm -hmm. you could do with your time. I get it. So, um, you're an awesome guy. That's why, uh, that's why I think so highly of you <clears throat> and you don't have this, you're not recording this, right? I'm sorry. I'm, I want to say some nice things here, but Bill and I have this notorious relationship where we give each other a lot of crap and I don't want him playing this back somewhere, but I don't know it, but uh, all kidding aside, you're an awesome guy. Uh, you, you, you care about people. It shows, it comes through very much and everything you do and say, so I'm, honored to know you. I'm honored to be your friend and thank you for being on this uh, podcast with me again. Um, if people want to reach out to you, I don't know if you, <laughs> listen guys, don't, don't bother me. It's not a lot of time, but if they want to reach out to you, um, uh, how can they do that? Or if they want to well, know more about operation underground railroad, or if somebody wants to just inquire, like how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. Uh, so as far as OUR goes, uh, go, I, I'll, I'll encourage everybody to go watch like Russell Brunt, Todd Dickerson. They, uh, they produced a couple films, um, go to OURfilm.org. OURfilm.org is where you can go watch the documentary. It's about an hour and a half long. You can learn a little bit more about it, but, um, uh, that, that's, that's my recommendation for that. Okay. Um, I believe that their website is, uh, um, OURrescue.org. Um, but, uh, yeah, so go, go there and check it out. I, I'd love to send people to the documentary first. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's just a great place to, to go just watch why hour and a half um it there's some there's a little bit if you got little kids you might not want to watch it with them it's yeah. not it's not horrible but it's just it, uh, watch it watch it yourself for the first time and then decide whether it's something you want to show your kids um because they do go they do go through the operations a little bit of background on everything and um um 
And then uh, for me, uh, go to blackjackre.com and just check out our site. Um, yeah, it's OURrescue.org. I just wanted to check. So right. OURrescue, you can go there. And then if you want to become a volunteer, like that's, I encourage you guys to do that. It, it doesn't mean you have to. Um, it's if you want, you want to give money, give time, whatever. But um, if you got some time and you want to do like just a garage sale forum or an event and just become a volunteer. I mean, I only have, I have like 30 volunteers here. And when I came here, we had 17. I mean, it's just in the whole state of Tennessee, the whole state of Tennessee, 17 people that said, I'm interested. If you guys ever had any, have anything, just email me. I'm interested in, in doing right. something. Um, so we need, we need help with that stuff. And uh, um, whenever I put together an event like this, we just had a couple of volunteers that helped maybe sell some stuff at the swag uh, center and stuff, things like that. So uh, blackjackre.com though is where you can see me and my team, uh, everybody that we talked about, their pictures on there a little bit and stuff like that so you can you can see that you can check out my website the marketing manager that i just hired just redid everything and flushed everything that i did three years ago <laughs> i worked so hard on and um and uh and facebook uh we're on facebook too blackjack uh, real estate blackjack estate like facebook.com slash blackjack estate and then obviously seven figure flipping and flip backing live you can come see me there and shake my hand and hang out and tell me your story uh, i'd love to meet you and uh, we'll be around. It's not like we're elusive at that, at that place nope. either. So, um, anyway, uh, all those, and maybe that's like too long of a laundry list, but no, that's all right. That's at least cool. you my phone number like last time. <laughs> exactly. I'll give that out. It's going to be in the show notes. I oh, want to make okay, sure people yeah. are driving. They can, if they get it. They don't have to write it down. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen, thanks for doing this. I know you're super busy guy. Um, but, um, yeah, you're doing some awesome stuff and, and you're a huge inspiration. So, uh, keep getting after it and I'm gonna let you go. I know it's your son's birthday and he's probably waiting to go bowling. So, uh, have a good one. Enjoy his birthday and we'll talk to you soon, man. I will. Thanks for having me, Mike. I All appreciate right. it. Yep. No problem. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. All right. I hope you had as much fun listening to that interview uh, as I had bringing it to you. Bill's an awesome guy. We're good friends. I have a lot of respect for him. He's running a fantastic real estate investing business. I mean, just so impressive. And uh, I know that he's the kind of person that I want on the show, the kind of interview that I want to bring to you that I know is high quality. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, if you want to reach out to Bill or get involved in anything that he's doing or or just say thank you for being on the show, then go ahead and reach out to him with the avenues that he gave you. Uh, but until next time, guys, get out there, get started, and realize that this business isn't easy, but it's not going to happen unless you get out there and just start. So get out there and get it going. All right, guys, before I let you leave today, I just want to let you know, Bill and I talked a little bit about in uh, an event called Flip Hacking Live. Now, Flip Hacking Live happens every October, and there's one coming up in uh, this October, and it features some of the most successful real estate investors from around the country. This year, we have Walter Bond speaking and uh, Jocko Willing. So those guys are just incredible, motivational guys. But in addition to them, there's going to be a whole lineup of absolute rock star real estate investors. I will be speaking at the event, I'm very proud to say, and Bill will be there as well running the event. So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you have good news. I have good news for you, I should say. Uh, I've got uh, access to some very, very, very low cost tickets. Uh, I think these tickets normally run like $700 uh, for one and $1,000 for two. But the deal that I have for you is if you go to my link, you will get them for like a couple hundred dollars cheaper. I think it's like $497 and $697 for two. So very, very inexpensive. Go to my link so that you can get those. And guys, you really need to be at this event. If you go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash flip hacking live, that's juststartrealestate.com, my website, forward slash flip hacking live. It'll take you to the uh, special page with the uh, seriously reduced pricing, and I would love to see you guys there. So go check it out. You need to get those tickets quick because they're going to sell out very, very soon. The events in October gives you plenty of time to plan and get there, but the tickets will not last long. So go there and grab these really inexpensive tickets while they last so you don't have to pay full price. All right, guys, I will talk to you next time.